0: Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to kuiu.com. kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear, about Kuyu. So tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the jscott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. And I want to thank allelk.com, home of the Bugle Mule. Use the JSO10 to save 10% on all orders. The Bugle Mule attaches to your bugle, and it's a great little carrier that holds three elk calls right there on your bugle tube. And its I can't wait to use it this season. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. we're going to talk about field judging elk today in this episode and we're probably not going to be able to cover all of the intricate details of field judging elk but um, if you do go to jscottoutdoors.com you go to my website um, on the right hand side if you scroll down uh, you can actually go down to where it says uh, labels and if you go down to the f's for field judging elk. There's actually thirty-five posts that I've done on Field Judging Elk, and there's a lot of videos, um, there's a lot of pictures, there's a lot of diagrams and pretty intricate detailed uh information on field judging elk. And it's
1: that's a uh, hold up. If you guys listening, if you guys haven't been to Jay's blog and and he's being, you know, very gracious and how he says that it's the best information that's out there Um as far as field judging and, and i'm not going to pull any punches here uh, you know um, what i know of jay and, and one of the things that everybody talks about that's around me is jay's field judging with regards to desert bighorn sheep and and elk hunting he provides huge value um, to to anybody that that wants to get better that's that's one of the things that have always drawn me to you as a person is is I mean you got images you got videos you got articles that you wrote for Elk Hunter and Western Hunter included in here but it's it's the total deal um, and and it really really if you're wanting to get better at field judging and you want to you need to look at pictures you need to look at video you need to you know outside of actually doing it and having the experiences uh, of doing it over and over again. Um, this is the best thing to, to learn for that, that guy that doesn't, you know, get an archery elk tag every year and doesn't get time to spend in the woods every year. Um, it, it helps. And I know there's a lot of guys out there, they won't admit it, but there's a lot of guys out there that, uh, look at this stuff and, and they, Jay gives them value as well, so.
0: Well, I appreciate that. One of the things, you know, over the years, I, I have received a few negative criticisms of someone that only is about score and only is about the numbers. And my response to a lot of that is, well, you really don't know me. Uh, what you see on my blog as detailed and you know as thorough as I try and be I'm I'm that same way when I've got my own tag or if I'm guiding but this field judging and scoring stuff basically stemmed from me wanting to learn and most importantly in all of my hunting and and guiding I wanna be accurate and I'm not a fan of fish stories I while I like hearing fish stories I don't like hearing, you know, this fish was, you know, this big, and some guy's arms are as wide as, you know, a 45-inch trout. I I'm one that likes to say, no, it was really 16. It goes the same way into my hunting with the coos deer and the mule deer and the sheep and and the elk and such, where, you know, I want to know what that animal scores so that when i'm trying to evaluate for my own tag or for someone that i'm guiding i can be as close and as accurate as i can so am i a numbers guy yes do i feel that numbers and scoring is is that why i hunt absolutely not but i don't i'm Of the opinion that I want to be as accurate as possible I don't want to make mistakes and do I make mistakes every day do I misjudge animals all the time but by I have learned a lot by providing a lot of these resources and diving into the numbers when Dara and I are looking at an animal we go back and forth and bounce back and forth with each other Um, Dara my guiding partner and you know, sometimes he's right, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes we're both wrong. But I feel like as analytical as you can get, it just makes you better.
1: Absolutely it does. And it, yeah, I, it, anybody that uh, uh, you know my thoughts on trophy hunting and admitting that I'm a trophy hunter and that that this stuff absolutely makes you better and, and you know, anybody that puts in for an antler, Antlered species or a horned species, um, I, I, I think you're a trophy hunter. Um, I don't care how you cut it, how you say it. I'm not talking about the trophy hunter that just cuts the head off and leaves all the meat. I'm talking about you desire antlers, you desire horns. To what degree we can all have arguments on that, but and big ones. And big ones. <laughs> if you have, I always use the analogy: if there's a thirty-inch buck mule deer and a two point standing next to each other and you elect to shoot the 30 inch buck you cannot argue that you're not a trophy hunter to what degree we can argue all day long but regardless of that we're talking about field judging elk and and uh you know getting better and uh trying to be as accurately uh accurate as we can i think one of the things that you know that i've really learned from you is is in the guiding world is is, is making sure you're credible, um, and it's it's one thing. It's it, it's disappointing when it's your own hunt um, if you misjudge an animal, um, not because that's the only thing you hunt for, but just because again you want to be accurate. You it's it's another
0: well, and you're setting a benchmark. It's another that, you yes, know.
1: it's another aspect of the score. It's another thing when you do it for a paying client, somebody that's you know doesn't maybe have the knowledge or the time. And, and they say, hey, you know, I'd like to kill a 350 or I'd like to kill a 380 or I'd like to kill a 300. Um, you, you want to do right by them. You want, you want to make sure you want to feel good that you're doing your job. You know, it's no different than a contractor building a house or whatever else. You just want to make sure you do, do your job. And one of the things that I found that it seems like, you know, and we get a little off topic, but with, with, with judging and, and, a lot of people, uh, that, that just clients or even just hunters out there that talk about 400 inch, 370, 380, 350. They really don't realize, and we're going to get into that, about there's only small differences that, that really, uh, add up to those different type of bulls, um, within, you know, measuring a, a bull. There, there really only is small differences. And that, you know, I've always been like, oh, why, you know, I don't really have to get my animals scored or whatnot. But it is after I've seen the way stuff is marketed in the guiding world um, and just the everyday Joe Blow saying this is a 400-inch, I think our numbers are really inflated high and and we want to be accurate, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. To me, credibility is is absolutely paramount. It's number one. I I, I don't ever want to be known as someone that is not credible, and that has made me dive into field judging and trying to be accurate. Yes. And since we're on that topic, I, I'm going to throw this out there that you know the fish stories and the inflated numbers and the Unofficial, non-official, official scores. Yeah, it's got to stop. I mean, uh, from from across all aspects of hunting. In my opinion, there's nothing that makes me more sick than looking at a hundred and eighty-inch deer and having someone write one ninety-nine and two eighths when you know that it's not even close. So, you know. Am I calling out the guiding world and industry? Maybe. But the reality is we're all hunters. But let's just be accurate, guys. If, if, if you get an animal officially scored, then be happy with the official score, even if it's not as high as the score that you thought it was. Don't go searching out other official scores and you know have it scored six or seven times until you get the score you like. That these systems are put in place, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young and SEI scorers, although I think some, there's a big variance in some of them. If you take your animals to a, someone and they so, uh, one person always scores your animals, why would you take an animal to someone else just to get a higher score? We're kind of gotten off topic, but the point is credibility. And just whatever it is, call it what it is. And that's what led you remember, me to... Do you remember when a 350 bull was cool? you
1: remember yeah, that? I do. <laughs> and it's still big, you know. But, yeah. But I,
0: I just, you know, if it's 352, it's 352. Don't call it 360. Yeah. If it's 110-inch coos, don't call it 116. Just call it what it is. Yeah. Because we all as hunters use these scoring systems and we see a picture on Facebook or on Instagram and it says 199 or it says, you know, 404. Well, it would be nice if people were accurate. Then it would be, it would be educational to go, oh, that one's 404 and that one's 360. But when are, some of these photos are off by 20 inches or 30 inches, you know you're really misleading and
1: and and that's what you can't you can't for you know taking this into the field judging topic you can't you can't accurately get better off off of field judging or or uh trying to educate yourself off dead photos because there's too many different lenses there's too many different angles and body sizes and so, if you're trying to, you know, what you're saying is, when somebody puts a photo up there, you know, that says it's a 210 inch buck, and it's really, you know, a 185 inch buck, um, you you can't. That's my dog. I was gonna say
0: it sounded like a a cat fight <laughs> yeah, or a
1: she's, dog fight in your... She's wanting she's wanting to play this morning, man. She's all I'm the only one here, and she's wanting to play with me. She's only eight months old, but. Anyway, you can't. If you're listening, you can't. Don't even look at those images to try to get better at field judging. And I would take, you know, unless there's official score sheet, myself, um, I would take every score with a grain of salt um, because you don't. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, guides have learned that, you know, to market scores and, and inflate numbers and, you know, and, 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 you know, that's why a lot of times with exclusive pursuit outfitters, you know, with our marketing stuff, we don't even put scores. Um, if we do get an official score, we'll blog about it, maybe post it up. Um, we just, we, you know, if somebody asks, then we'll say, um, you know, but we just let the animal speak for itself, um, and, and go from there. But, you know, uh, let's try to get back on field judging because you and I all ramble about this all day. Yeah.
0: So is does Cujo need a bone or what?
1: Oh, she is. Yeah, one, one second. Time <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> She's using
1: my Let me feed her.
0: Okay, Craig. So getting into field judging elk, uh, we've already talked about they can go on, listeners can go on com go down to the lower right, uh, click on field judging elk, all 35 posts will come up. Um, and there's a lot of details there. I want to talk about a few things, and one of them is first impressions. To me, uh, when either if I'm up on a hill glassing through my binoculars or spotting scope or in the field calling a bull, and a bull comes in, or I first see a bull. First impressions to me mean a lot. And one of the things that I like to do is I try and take the emotion out of it. Um, you know, if it's my tag and you know I'm excited, uh, it it's hard for me. But I try and take the emotion out of it. And what I try and do is immediately look for weaknesses. So. I've trained myself when I glass up a bull, I immediately, I'm trying to size up what are his weaknesses. I'm looking at his body size. I'm trying to age him. And maybe not specifically, you know, he's a five-year-old or he's a six-year-old, but I'm trying to say, is his body mature? Is he, you know, is he a young bull or is he an old bull? Because a lot of times the young bulls can look big at first impressions and then you realize that maybe they're you know 150 200 pounds smaller than a big old mature bull so I'm looking and very first things are I'm trying to say what is this bull and then I start looking okay is he a six-point point? and you know most of the time, I look for the fourth point and then look where the main beam usually on most elk kind of gives that curve and creates that whale tail. So you've got your fourth and your fifth. And for me, I lo- I like big backs. I I just I like big backs on bulls. And
1: isn't there a song? There is a song. I like <laughs> big it's not big backs. I like big bucks.
0: <laughs> um, it makes a lot. <laughs> but, but that's what I, you know, my first impression is, okay, and then I start trying to categorize the bull. Is this a 300 bull? Is this a 330 bull? Is this a 350 bull? You know, um, I don't know what you do, but that's what I do when I first see an elk. I try and categorize it, get kind of an idea of age class of what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I try to, it, it all depends on time you know if i'm if i'm if we're talking about scouting um, and getting up and glassing or, or seeing a bull um, i i obviously if it's quick and what it's going to be all air judging um, it's going to be you know 300 350 370 to 380 you know 400 very rarely do i throw that ever out there um, but it it really for me it depends on time what you know, first off, what what how I'm going to go about breaking down a bull, um, and and you know if I'm setting up classing for for bulls, um, and, and I see something that just sticks out whether I'm you know combing and then I and I you know catch a bull and he he's got some characteristics or or his frame. I look at his frame, I guess, width and length. Of the main beams first, and then you know I, I'm attracted to mass. Big back ends always draw my eyes, um, and you know it depends on time. If he's, he's something that looks really big that I need to stare at for a little while longer with the glass, then then I do. Um, if if he's something that I I really can't tell or whatnot, or if it's early in the you know glassing period, um, I might just note him. You know, try to see. You know, if tree wise, if is he gonna get in the trees on me before I can get a look or or get video or pictures of him and then go on and, and continue glassing because I wanna, you know, for lack of better term, savor the moment and and glass as many bulls as I can that morning from that point or looking up or what however I may be doing it while that out in the open. You, yeah,
0: and what you mean by that is you're you're classifying and categorizing bulls trying to do it as quickly as possible, because in the mornings and in the evenings, a lot of times you only have a short period of time before they get out of the opens into the trees where you can't analyze them and look at them enough. I think what we've been talking about here, first impressions and what have you, is kind of the air judging yes. method of scoring. And honestly, uh, I think a lot of people use air judging and, 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 you know, they'll see a bull for 10 seconds and they'll say, that was a 350 bull. Yep. Well, what they're doing is they're air judging and they're kind of throwing it into a class or category. I think one, and I do that all the time, you do that all the time, but I think the other methods of scoring become more precise yep. and but I think it's important to become fairly accurate at air judging and being able to quickly categorize. And I think you know we we talked about this morning before we were on the air. Um, you, you know, one of your favorite things uh, to categorize is digiscoping. Yeah, and I can remember. You know, the first digiscoping that I did was holding my little point and shoot camera up to my binoculars that were on my tripod or up to my spotting scope, just trying to capture an image of that animal. And what, how that has evolved over some time and some years is now we have incredible digiscoping adapters. You know, the Outdoorsman's makes a real easy one for your iPhone. Um, uh, with, with great adapters to either binoculars or spotting scopes. Um, and then, you know, I use the Swarovski Optic, uh, TLS APO adapter and it's actually allowed us, um, as hunters to get professional quality images. Maybe not images you would sell. Yeah. But certainly be able to, uh, elevate our field judging, um, I mean when Dar and I started really capturing digiscoping images, our our scoring and field judging uh went up you know significantly because of this. We could bring the photo or the video back and each of us analyze it and look at it. And maybe what my first impression was, Dar's first impression would be something totally different or Jay, you're a little off, or I think you're high or you're low. Yeah. And so I think it's important for people to get good at air judging. I think it's important for people to categorize bulls, but I think it's also important that um to come back with a image, a video image, a a, a photo image, where they can email it to friends of theirs, or even if They just want to look at it themselves. They can go, Well, I didn't realize he didn't even have third points or they're only three inches long. When a bull's got, you know, big back end, your air judge is just like, Oh, that's a 350 bull. And then when you look at the image later, when you take the emotion out of it, you go, Oh, I didn't
1: realize he's got short, stubby fronts that, you know, point straight out. Yeah. If, you know, going, you know, obviously air judging is what, you know, we all use. And getting accurate at that is, is critical. To, to It's more of a time saver. You know, you have to do it quickly and, and you want to be accurate. Going to the digiscoping stuff, I, I think there's a lot of people out there, they they don't get it. Like, they don't get that, that to me, still judging uh, any, any species, um, that if I don't have pictures or video, I do not feel comfortable. I don't. Um, and I do not feel comfortable with everything that I see because sometimes I get amped up, or a lot of times I'm just gonna, you know, when I glass something up, I'm like, oh, oh that's a uh, big son of a gun, you know, and and I talk myself down. Same thing you're talking about. You talk yourself down. You start looking at them, seeing them in the field is is number one, but the actual in my mind, the new number one is seeing them in the field. Having video and images to where you can come back out of that environment and you have Google, you have J. Scott Outdoors, you have Orca, you have, you know, all these different, you you have all these different images and videos that you can go over, not to mention all your stuff that you have. You have buddies, um, be careful who you send it to. um, um <laughs> But but you can really analyze, and, and you know you and I have gone through this, where you know you either didn't think an animal was that big, or I didn't think an animal impressed us. The one that actually looks at the animal in the field and looks at the video is the one and has the most experience. Is the one that I'm going to lean towards that opinion, um, their opinion holding holding the most weight because. Uh, you know sometimes angles and cameras and depending on how close you are how how uh, how much vignettings in in the image um, you know distance time of day can really change things not as not you know not as much't well, but but definitely with other species it does you know
0: yeah and not only that I mean um, and you know body placement is the animal you know walking away from you is he walking towards you yes you know. One of the things that Dara and I like to, you know, ever since we started digiscoping, even when it was just holding the camera and getting, you know, moving, you know, not very good video, but we would always try and get a image. And, and we, you know, we'd talk to each other, did you get it on video? Did yep. you get a picture? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. I mean, just getting some image so you could re-verify what your error judge, what your initial first impression was. Uh, is so important, and I think that's, you know, really, really helped me become a better field judger, and I think another thing that's helped me is I love to score animals, or excuse me, score antlers that I find, or uh, I'm constantly, I, I always have, I don't always, during hunting season when I'm in elk camp or whatever, I usually always have a tape in my pocket, Critics would say, oh, you're all about score. No, I'm all about becoming accurate. And I like to put a tape on, if I come across an antler, I tape it. Why? Because I'm training myself to know what a 16-inch brow tine looks like, to know what a 20-inch fourth point looks like, to know what a 52-inch main beam is. And the more antlers that you can put your hands on and score... The better you will become at field judging. I, I think it's um, it, it's a huge part of my success of being accurate and getting better each day at being accurate is, is measuring antlers.
1: I mean there's there's a lot of people that call out numbers all the time that have they don't even know if a 13 inch G1 is good or if a 23 inch G1 is good. You know, and, and they just air judge, um, and call it out there. I think most of the people that are probably listening, you know, have some sort of sense of what is, what is a good, uh, G1 or what is a good G2? What does that area typically hold? I think that's, that's what you're getting at is, and I'm, I'm the same way with, you know, I love the tape things. Um, I know Boone and Crockett has, um, I know they do for antelope. I think they do for elk. They have, you know, the average, in a, in a breakdown, they have the average of a, of a, of a Boone and Crockett entry level animal, um, what the average time length is, or, or mass measurements is. And, and yeah, then that, speaking, that's a good basis to start from, you know.
0: And speaking of that, Craig, um, I had done an article for Elkhunter Magazine, and I, I broke down some average measurements. Um, so they're examples based on a standard six by six frame. And you can find this chart on my website um, on, let's see, uh, July eleventh, two 2012. Uh, there is a chart. And for, for those of you out there listening, this is based on an average six by six frame. A 300 to 310 bull Average inside spread, now this is just a rough kind of chart, 35 inches, main beam length per side, 45 inches, mass per side, 25 inches, point length per point, 13, point length per side, 65, gives you a total of a 305 bull. A 320 to 330 bull inside spread is 37 inches, main beam length per side is 47 Mass per side is 27. Point length per point, 14 inches. Point length per side is 70 inches. Total, 325 bull. Now, one thing that I need to point out is these are just averages. This is just a chart that you could take with you. And if you're looking at a bull and you're, you've scored some elk antlers and you say, oh, he's got like, you know, 14 inch points, you can look down at your chart and say per point length, 14 inch, he's probably in the 325 range. Well, if he has extra short main beams or extra long main beams or he's heavy or he's, 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 he's thin, maybe it's, you know, one way or another, but this is a good chart to use. And I think by pointing out this chart, one thing I need to mention in my mind, the most important thing when, when finding a high-scoring bull is time length. Mm -hmm. Time length makes up about 45% of your score. Main beam makes up about 28% of your score. Mass, 16, and spread is 11. So when I'm field judging an elk and I'm looking for big elk, the first thing that I'm looking for is long points because very rarely can you have a high-scoring bull that doesn't have long points. There are a few exceptions to the rule, but long points and long main beams usually equal a big bull. Mm-hmm. People talk about a spread of a mule deer or a spread, you know, spread of an elk. Spread on an elk is not a big percentage of your score. Now, that can be deceiving because you can look at a bull and think he's a 350 bull. And you know, usually a, a a 350 bull, you know, if you're looking at at average, you know, spread, you're about 38 inches. But let's say he's a 50 inch bull, that's 12 inches. So you're now looking at a 362 bull. So with 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 point length, main beam, uh, mass, and spread, the one thing I will say is you've got to watch those real wide bulls because. You know, they will have your average point length that, that, you know, for a 350 type bull. But you've got to watch those those wide, wide, wide bulls because they can actually jump you into
1: a whole nother category before you even know it. Yeah, my wife loves wide bulls. I'm sitting here looking at this bull that Dar's Hunter killed um, with, speaking of long times, um i think he went 401 um gross it,
0: that's the typical bull uh six by six uh, tim
1: allen's bull yes, i would yes say. tim allen's bull i'm looking at that bull and i'm just gonna go out call out air judging right now i'm looking at that bull and when i look at this bull i do not see 401 air judging I do not see 401 air judging. I don't know how how you. And, and a lot of guys, I think too. I know for me, I like bulls that turn down on their main beams, and those type of bulls, you know, for me personally, you know, it just depends. You know, if I see a bull like that, if he's 380 and there's a bull that's 400 inches, um, it depends on what I want to shoot. What a but a bull that his beam is turned down really hard in the back it's going to be really hard for me personally to pass, you know, so looking at Tim Allen's bull, um, I look at it just, they're judging. And, and
0: by the way, by the way, that's on the June 11th or July 11th, 2012 post. Uh, for those of you that are listening that want to also log on and check out what Craig's talking about. Go ahead. Craig. Yeah. And,
1: and, and you just look at this bull and his, his left side turns up and his right side just is kind of lazy. Um, uh I call those kind of lazy beams they they don't they don't really do a whole lot his right side turns down a little bit but then you know I'm sure you get to looking at this bull's his his fronts um his g ones and g2s um his bez and brows some people call them um you, you start adding up the inches he's not overly wide he's got a lot of curve to his top end that makes his top end, in my opinion, doesn't, it doesn't really show how big his top end actually is because it kind of curves in. So the angle, you know, versus a bull that his, his back end, his points come straight off his horn, they look bigger, his curvature and how it lays in to me makes him look deceiving. And it's just, and I was reading this and thinking about this bull and seeing this bull and when I first air judged him, I was thinking, oh, man, that's a 370 bull, you know. And I it just goes to show you, you know, I was off by by 30, 30 inches, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and I think even Dar would say, um, you know, he knew it was a big bull, but one of the things that blew them away was the body size. You yeah. Know, Dar, Dar said it had a giant body, and I think um, when you're making your first impression – you know, body size. If if he's standing in a field with you know five or six other bulls, and he's a he's a Goliath, he's a giant you know giant bull, um, then you have to realize that his antlers are actually going to look smaller on his head uh, than if that was over on the you know five year old bull. That's a young bodied, sleek you know sleek kind of neck, sleek down, you know uh, bull kind of starting to get into his into his, you know, starting into his prime, the, the, this set of antlers is going to look gigantic on, you know, a smaller body. Um, I think speaking specifically about Tim Allen's bull, I I, I was not there. Um, I was over in unit 23. Dar was in unit 10. Um you know, the main beams on this bull are dang near 60 inches. Yeah. And that, that brings up the point of point length is number one. If you, if you take all the big bulls, typically, um, long points is number one, main beams is number two. And, but if you have extra long main beams, that can throw you off a little bit or extra short main beams. Um, big time, uh, big time. You know, I, I remember Michael Park's bull that same year in 2009, you know, scored 435. And uh, off of memory, you know, his his beams, I want to say, were only 53 inches, 52, 53 inches, but he had tons of point length. Or even like uh, Mike Gallo's um, giant uh, bull that uh, uh, Jay and Chad and, uh, uh, those, the A3 guys, um, they're, you know, probably 475 inch bull. I want to say his beams weren't even 50 inches, but he had points galore. Mm-hmm. So, long points, and while we're talking about that, extra points. Um, points in my, in my book, when field judging are everything. Uh, point link is the single most important ingredient for a bull to score high, uh, if if you have an abnormal point, an extra point, you're just adding inches in your point, point length category. So if you're looking at a 6x6 six six bull or a 7x7 seven seven bull or an 8x8, eight eight, every time you get more than the standard 6-point frame, you know, a 7x7, seven seven, even if his uh, uh, G6s are only you know eight inches long and they look short on the frame that's 16 inches of extra that you get to throw in your point link category and so you know speaking in general extra points mean a lot
1: yeah i i typically and i you can answer this question but when i feel judge um specific i mean unless you just have a ton of time um I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to net a bull out, but most of the time, especially if it's in the field, you know, let's say on a hunt, my dog just opened my door. Um, when it's on, when it's on an actual hunt, let's say a hunt scenario, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not factoring in the net score. I'm adding up what I can add up and trying to get the growth score. Um, because you start factoring in, you know, two inches here, three inches there. And so with extra tines, you know, I like, you know, personally, I don't, I don't care. Anytime a bull breaks, you know, 380 is a giant, but it breaks 400 with extra points, then that's all fine and dandy. It just depends, you know, a lot of times with what the hunter wants as well. But most of the time, you don't have the time to actually net a bull up. Would you in a hunting scenario? Would you say that? True. I agree.
0: I mean, when you're netting a bull up, that's when you're using your digiscoping photos and images and video to help you break down and, 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 and estimate the actual measurements of each point. And, um, I think we're going to cover, uh, you know, estimating the actual measurements. And then I have a magic number estimating the shortest points, uh, uh, tactics, uh, methods that I use to field judge. We're going to cover those in the next, uh, Field judging episode. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's important to get a good solid growth score, not worry about the net so much Mm -hmm. until you go back and review and analyze, uh, your digiscoping photos. Um, Craig, I think, I think one thing I want to point out too is that, you know, Craig and I live in Arizona and we're fortunate to be around a lot of big bulls. But I want the listeners out there that are trying to learn how to field judge and maybe the, their area doesn't have big bulls. They're in a state that, you know, the biggest bull may be 330 inches or 300 inches. You can still learn how to field judge. What you need to do is study and analyze bulls that are killed in your area and know specifically what the average point length the average mass, the average spread, because across the country, you know, body sizes differ. Um, you know, sometimes in a unit, a six point is a trophy. And, and there's, you know, a lot of four and five points and young bulls, but they just don't get to be six points. So I, I want to make sure in this series of, of podcasts where we're talking about field judging elk, I don't want you guys to think we're just talking about you know, giant bulls over, you know, 350 inches. I kind of want to cover it all. Um, but some of these same characteristics and, and things that I'm talking about, um, work on a 300 bull or a 400 bull. Yeah, it's just
1: scale. It's just slide the scale down. You know, there's, there's, uh, no, uh, like you were just saying, you know, we're, we're blessed to live in Arizona and, you know, I mean then you go to the Indian reservations and you know that's that's like a wildlife park I mean just giant bulls on and, and there and just on the public side we're blessed and not not all units in Arizona are the same either you know some units in Arizona 350 is a tank you know um, and and I know in some states that you know over the counter hunt it, it, like you said Jay it might be a 6 point is just a hell of a bull um, and it's nothing to be ashamed of, and, and inches doesn't measure your, your skill level as a hunter, but, you know, we're just really, really blessed to be able to hunt some of the biggest animals, that are elk, um, in the world, um, yeah. or, or guide for them, and, um, so that's why we, you know, talk about this stuff, you
0: know. Well, and I think it's, you know, I think everybody that hunts classifies and categorizes their, their animals that they're hunting you know, uh, guys that are hunting in states where the, maybe the bulls are smaller, you know, maybe a 350 bull is just the benchmark bull that, you know, there's only, you know, a couple a year get shot over 350. They're still, whether they're categorizing bulls as a, you know, 260, a, you know, a Pope and Young minimum type bull, uh, uh, a, a 280 or a 300. Um, it's, I think it's important wherever you hunt, uh, if, if trying to be accurate and telling, you know, your, your friends and your buddies and reliving your experiences, you know, being accurate with your field judging is, is, is important. Um, so I think we've covered enough today on this episode. Um, I think we're going to dive in into these uh, future episodes. We'll dive into how to estimate the actual measurements uh, per each point. Um and and talking about point length, talking about main beams, talking about inside spread or mass and inside spread. And we'll go in specifically. And then we will also talk about, um, I have kind of a magic number formula that I use where I automatically plug in a spread. I automatically plug in main beams. And then all I do is add up points and we'll dive into that uh, in the next episode. Um, Craig, I want to thank you for being on this morning and uh, being with us and um, look forward to um, diving into the next episode and getting into the details of, of estimating actual measurements. Good. Are you uh, ready to get into the numbers today of uh, field judging else? Let's go for it, man. Okay. Um, in a previous episode, we had talked about air judging and categorizing bulls uh, digiscoping uh, for better references and and being able to break down bulls. Um, today we're going to talk about several methods of scoring that I use um, and that I've used over the years and uh, each year try and perfect even more um, but they've become uh, good uh, tools for me to to lean on and like we talked about in the prior episode, uh, if you go to jscottoutdoors.com, you go to the right-hand column, kind of down, scroll down a ways, uh, you will see uh, field judging elk. And if you click on that, there's like 35 posts that I've done on field judging. And in those posts, there's a lot of uh, video and pictures of bulls where you can actually uh, see uh, the bull running around bugling, and then you'll get my estimated actual measurements, um, and then on some, you'll get the estimated shortest points. Um, I think, you know, if, for people out there, I think the magic number or the estimated shortest points method works pretty darn good and pretty darn fast. Um, the one thing I will caution you is when you're just... And in that method, you're basically um, adding up one side of the points and doubling them. The only thing I would tell you is if if you misjudge that by doubling, you're compounding your room for error. So the in my mind, the most accurate uh, method of field judging is estimating actual measurement. So, when we're talking about measurements um, to rehearse, you actually remember that there's there's four categories of score in the Boone and Crockett scoring system. That's time length, main beam, mass, and spread. Like we talked about in the prior episode, uh field judging elk and scoring elk, the most important aspect of a bull score percentage wise is time length. Second is main beam, third mass, and fourth is spread. So if someone tells you, oh, man, that bull was wide, well, that's only part of the story. But if someone comes back and tells you, man, the points on that bull were unbelievable and he had incredible main beams, then that is definitely a bull that you want to go check out. Um let's dive right into estimating actual measurements, Craig. Uh, in, In a, just a general topic, how do you become better at knowing what each point scores? I know how I do and that's actually measuring antler, lots of antler, you know, whether they be sheds or, you know, other people's bowls, trying to know what, you know, 15 inches is, what is 16 inches, you know, what is 20 inches.
1: Is that the same for you? Yeah, it's the, actually seeing them, you know, whether it be a shed, whether it be a set of antlers ta- from the tax or, or that I have, um, those, those are critical, whether, uh, another thing is, you know, like, um, the, the the averages of, of of time length on whether it be your side or Boone and Crockett Club getting a feel for what actually is and then you know um, the other thing is you can never beat uh real life experience um, yeah um, it, you, even if it's um, you know I, and I encourage and, and a lot of people this is going to sound weird but I, I encourage you, if, if you watch a bull fall that you may be have seen, um, to to go and touch it, congratulate the other hunter that took it, and just to get that experience. Um, because with the way draws are and everything, I think a lot of guys to be accurate with their field judging, to to be really accurate, you have to do it a lot, um, and and you have to see that animal live, and you have to see that animal dead to actually get a sense of, okay, I thought he was 15 inches on his G3s, and he's actually 10 inches, you know, so, so those, those, you know, touching horns helps, Um, looking at horns helps, looking at videos helps, but actually the real life experience helps the most, and so any way you can get it, and I know that's kind of a, a weird way of, of doing it, but um, you know, I know, I'm, not, I'm like you, you know, we celebrate, you know, it sucks when somebody kills something and your hunter's not able to get it, or you're not able to kill it, or your family member or friend's not able to kill it, but, uh, you know, we're all up there hunters, and if you can go up and actually, you know, offer to give somebody a hand just so you get that, you humble yourself, and just so you get that experience of actually touching that bull and seeing what he actually is, then do it, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, a- absolutely. Um, so
0: there's nothing like hands-on experience. There, there, uh, absolutely, there's no, there's nothing
1: that replaces it. Um, that's one thing that I've known. Uh, I, I, I've noticed since since you know I've started guiding, um, is my uh, field judging skill level um, goes up uh, because I'm well. You're
0: forced to. You're, you're, you're for, forced. You're
1: forced to. to, and and also you're able to. You know, with our outfitting deal, you, you know. We're we're a we're a medium sized outfitting outfitter in Arizona. I would consider us, um, and so we have you know four or five guys that may that do hunts for us, um, and you know if if two or three are successful, maybe my guy wasn't successful. Um, I'm still able to put my hands on animals that I probably saw, and and that elevates. Um, you know, it's just like with you and Dar, you know, you're able to go put your hands on something that you actually saw. And the second best thing is having images or video and then putting your hands on that animal, you yeah. know.
0: Well, and and I think, too, Craig, at, at, to a certain point, you have to kind of put yourself out there. With your hunting partners or what have you and say, I think this bull scores this and this is why I think so. Yes. If you don't ever kind of take a stand and force yourself to put a number on it and say, this is the number that I accurately, you know, I'm putting my credibility saying this is what this animal scores, you never get better. What has made me better as, as, as well as guiding and you know, it's one thing for me to be inaccurate on a score of something that I shoot my own, but if someone hires me, I wanna be as credible and as accurate as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so it has forced me to to stand a line and say, I think that bull scores three twenty. Yep. Or I think that bull scores three eighty and have the skill and backup to be able to say, This is why. Exactly. Now am I am I right every time? Heck no. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say one of my biggest faults is I'm I'm notoriously low. I'll give you an example. Last year, uh I actually uh was fortunate to accompany uh Jason Harrison of KU to just go along with them and take pictures and and, and go with him on a hunt in Montana just for fun and shoot some video and, you know, just hang out and we looked in, at a lot of bulls, and Jason, we had an incredible hunt, and, um, y- you know.
1: That's the Montana couple, hunt, right?
0: Yeah, Montana hunt. There's a couple lessons here, one of which is I just came from Arizona, didn't really ask a lot of questions about Montana, jumped right into bulls bugling and, you know, chaos and just an awesome hunt. I didn't know that a lot of the Montana bulls, their bodies are big. And so bulls that I was looking at that, you know, Jason's like, what do you think that one scored? And I'm like, ah, oh, 340. Realistically, it was probably a 355 bull. A bunch of those bulls were just big, you know, kind of mammoth, monarch-looking bodies, and I didn't realize it. And so one thing you need to know is wherever you're hunting, you kind of need to get a feel for body size of bulls. Are they bigger in this state or smaller in this state? So that's one thing. The other thing is... Uh, Jason shot the bull and it, it was we we might have saw one other bull that was bigger at a long distance but this was this was one of the biggest bulls we saw and he shot it and we you know had it on the ground and we were taking pictures and we were field dressing and and skinning and the whole thing and he's like what do you think it'd score so here Craig I have the bull on the ground I don't have a tape on my pocket or anything like that but I I I can actually touch the antlers, and I looked at it, and I added around, and I calculated, and I did this, that, and the other, and I said, you know, I'll bet she's, you know, solid 350. Okay? Mm -hmm. So here the antler is in my hand. The body is, the elk is laying there, and his bull ended up scoring 371 inches. Well, Two things are at play. I have a tendency to always want to be under and never be over. That that is just as much of a fault as being overscoring. I, I've done it on sheep. I've done it on, you know, coaster, I've done it on things where I'm under. Granted, I have been over as well. But the the, the couple of times that I have been overjudged and thought an animal was bigger, it has you know, quote unquote, scared me enough to want to be credible and want to be accurate. And, um, y- you know, I-, I tend to be under, even when they're on the ground, because I never like to have something be uh, smaller than it actually is. I'd rather it be 20 inches bigger, like in this case, or 15 inches bigger, when when Jason, we actually, Jason didn't score, but... Um, uh, Jack and and Cody and I scored it, and Jason was right there watching and taking part of the whole thing and and watching us, and it scored 371. So I would rather say 355 and it be 370, but I think at, as as a, a fault of my own, I can't be too far under because there may be a an opportunity to harvest an animal that the client really wants, and I tell them that it's you know. 370, in reality, it's 390. So my quest is always to try and be as accurate as possible, hedging a little bit on the
1: low side. Yeah, I, I think that in general that that's how I am, or I, I want to believe I am. I know for yeah. me that, anyone anyway, going back to uh, uh, looking at how you get better is, is, is you, you have to... Like you said, there you have to actually measure the antlers um, and see it live, and and then that you know that experience right there just told you, man, I'm I'm historically under because of all the other experiences that I had. Um, but but do you, would you say that from that that maybe you'll be a little bit more aggressive? Well, I
0: I can tell you that if I go to Montana again. I will have the video of the bull, the photos of the bull, the photos of the bull on the ground, the, 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 the actual act that I actually scored the bull, and that's will be in my brain forever, and I will be able to take, and how does that compare to Jason's bull? Okay, Jason's was 371. How does this bull, what does the body look like, you know? And so I think each experience that we go through, I, you know, I take them as a learning experience. Yeah, I get kicked in the gut a little bit and the air gets knocked out of me because I'm like, man, I, I thought he was a three, fit, you know, just over 350 solid bull, but he's a 370. Jay, you got to get better. And so, um, you know, I try and take each experience and learn from it and try and get better each time. Um, Craig, let's talk a little bit about this, the estimating the actual measurements method and how I like to use anatomical references to estimate several of the point lengths. Um, if you start with the eye guards, um, uh, Clay Goldman with Mogion Taxidermy helped me quite a bit. Clay is my taxidermist located in Payson, Arizona. Uh, Mogion Taxidermy, he does a phenomenal job, um, but I had him help me with some of these anatomical references to make sure that I was as accurate as possible. And uh, one of the, when I'm looking at eye guards, from the tip of the nose to the burr, Clay measured a bunch of different bowls and I've done the same thing. And typically it's between 15 and 16 inches. So when you're trying to measure the first and second points, and sometimes the thirds you can place in there, you can use fr- from a mature bull elk from the tip of his nose to where the burr, which is the, the, where the antler starts on the front part. So running, if you were to put a tape on the top of his nose and run it up to the burr, that's generally between 15 and 16 inches. Another interesting anatomical uh, feature is from the tip of the nose to the beginning of the eye socket is typically 12 to 13 inches. So when a bull is face, is turned broadside, a lot of times you will look and see how those eye guards, they don't um, parallel the nose, um, but you can a lot of times take that distance from the tip of the nose to the burr being 15 to 16, and then extrapolate it up and measure those eye guards. One thing I will say about eye guards and points in general is short points, points that look short and points that look straight are short. Points that have a lot of belly and a lot of curve, you get extra inches. Anytime on the first, second, thirds, You've got a lot of belly and a lot of of curvature. That ruler's going to stretch. So, you know, a lot of guys will look at a bull and see, you know, they point, the eye guards point straight out. Watch those hard because straight points are usually short. Now, do you
1: think that you use the term stretch? Because on bulls with bellied or curved tines specifically on the front end because the perception of the distance that that horn goes from a straight point um, basically ends at the curve where it starts curving and a lot of guys uh, well that that's a
0: great point Craig you, you need to make sure that that the, the straight part of the eye guard is a good, you know, 14 inches and then bellies up. I have seen bulls that curve right away and it's a little bit deceiving. So you need a lot of straight and then you need a lot of curve. And if those, those eye guards, the one twos, if they go out, say, you know, a good 14, 15 inches and then start curving, when they start curving, you know, from the, from the straight point, To where it curves to the tip, I mean, you could pick up another four, five, six inches on the curve. A general rule of thumb is, you know, looking anatomically at, uh, from, from the nose to the burr, 15, 16 inches, you want to make sure that you're, now this is talking, you know, Arizona, you know, 350 plus type bulls, you want to make sure that you're, that you have, you know, over 16 inch eye guards. But in general, you want to look for extra eye guards to the eye guards fork. You know, if you get a six or seven inch fork off an eye guard, that's six or seven inches extra on your, on your, your, uh, your points measurements right there. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, uh, anatomical uh, reference that you can use is um, the distance from the top of the hump of an elk's back so again if he's standing broadside um and straight up the length of his leg right behind uh the leg in the crease you know right where you would be uh trying to trying to shoot your with your broadhead um from the bottom of 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 that crease so the underbelly to the top of the hump uh and and again i want to thank clay for for um Also giving me these measurements and re re solidifying what I think, and it's about thirty inches. So, an interesting thing with that measurement of thirty inches is, if you take that uh, measurement when you're trying to measure the fourth points, I like I like when fourth points are, you know, twenty inches long you can try and when that bull's standing broadside, you can take that, when you're looking at that fourth point, take the distance from the tip to where it hits the base of the, the main beam and put that in the hump. And if it is, you know, eight or 10 inches shy of the length of that hump, you're, you know, you're looking at a 20-inch a
1: fourth point. And just, just to clarify with... With everybody listening and with you, the only way you're able to do, uh, these, uh, basically measurements from, from the body comparing to the horn is to have images or video, correct? Jake? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it, this is, this is something that, that, you know, I've come up with over time and I've used other resources that have come up with and, and Dara and I have gone over and Clay and I have gone over and, you know, trial and error and actually measuring, you know, anatomical features and, and, and keeping track of this. Um, but yes, if, if you, if you digit digiscoped your, uh, bull and you are able to go back and analytically break down on your computer screen or on your phone or whatever, um, you can use some of these anatomical features to help estimate. Yes. Now it's it's just a it's just a it's it's something another tool to use. Exactly. It's not a it's not a pro, you know, like I said with the Montana bull, a giant body
1: throws you your scale off.
0: The distance may be thirty-three inches or a small body it may be twenty eight. So it's just something to use to, to uh, calculate and try and get better. Um, another thing you can use with the 30 inches is um, in your, when you're measuring your main beams, um, a, a, a 50 inch main beam typically is gonna have from the burr to the fourth point I don't know why. John McClendon um, actually is the first one that, that turned me on to um, this uh, little fact. And from the tip of the where, the where the burr is, measuring up the main beam to where the fourth point starts on a 350 plus bowl, typically that measurement is always 30 inches. And you can take elk antlers and do it, and I've done a bunch of them, and it's dang sure from the burr to the fourth is almost always 30 inches. I don't know why it just is. So you take that same measurement from the hump to the bottom of the belly, and you can you can extrapolate that and go, okay, am I dealing with a 50-inch main beam? You know, is is is, is this a 60-inch main beam? Because I can take from the from the top of the back to the belly. And, and there's two of those. Okay. That's a 60 inch main beam. Again, these are rough mm-hmm. anatomical, uh, uh, using anatomical measurements to try and help you estimate score better. That's awesome stuff. Um, okay. And, and, uh, I'm looking at my notes here on an article that I wrote and it says determining the four mash measurements per side is usually difficult. So I use a little rule of thumb. If the rack doesn't look heavy and has a thin appearance I attribute 27 inches of mass per side or 54 inches total. If a bull looks real heavy and solid then I estimate about 30 inches of mass per side. Um, Trying to determine mass I will tell you is difficult and that comes from Measuring a lot of bulls and uh, looking in Boone and Crockett records and actually looking at total mass measurements. I will tell you um, a side note, like unit 10 in my mind has uh, less mass than unit 9. I don't know why. You know, the Mm -hmm. both units are fairly close. Um, one of the things when I first started hunting in Unit 10, I had to realize that not a lot of bulls made that 30 inch mark mm-hmm. for, for mass per side. Um, and that is somewhat of an air judge. You know, you look and you go, that bull's heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. He may be more towards the 30 inch mark. If that bull looks light, you know, I've seen, I've seen 340, 350 bulls with, you know, 26 inches of mass. 52 inches per side, or, or 52 inches total. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that can throw off your field judging. So, that is where knowing what your animals in your unit, what the average mass is, um, you know, that's where that can
1: really play in and be important. One of the biggest things that I've noticed just with one mass measurement, and I've just grown to learn it over the last, or, 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 I guess, learn, uh, over the last three or four years and really paid attention to it. Bulls at G1, their G1s and G2s are very, come off almost at the exact same point, can blow up on their bottom circumference measurement. And it's very okay. it's very hard to, to notice that um, or to be aware of it. But if you see a bull that is G1 and G2 come out from almost the same point, more than likely his first mass measurement is going to be a lot bigger than average
0: okay and so craig what you're specifically talking about there is is a great point and you know part of becoming a great field judger is you really need to understand the scoring of an elk so so real fast i'm going to go through that and then i'm going to come back to your point of webbing and webbing is huge with mass and you bring up a good point anytime you have your first and second points that are close together you a lot of times will have like an extra you know two and a half three inches of webbing but um i guess i got ahead of myself when you're estimating actual measurements you're estimating basically your point length which usually is your g1 2 3 4 and 5 on a typical 6x6 bowl then you are you're estimating the main beam length, which is from the burr to the tip of the elk antler, then the mass, and then the width, so your spread. And that gives you your measurements for uh, 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 an elk antler. More importantly, you need to actually look at the Boone and Crockett score sheet and see where they're taking the actual measurements. One thing that people need to understand, and I see, I see this mistake made a lot, is people take your first circumference measurement at the burr of, of, the, of the elk antler. And that is not correct. What Craig is talking about is you always take the mass measurements between the 1-2, two, the 2-3, two, three,
1: the 3-4, three, And the four, five. And you only only get four, no matter if he's a six, seven, or eight, nine, or ten point.
0: Right. And I've seen people, you know, shoot a seven by seven and give themselves five mass measurements a side. You only get four per side, even if he's a seven, eight, or nine point. So going back to your point of webbing, what Craig is talking about is it's very deceiving, but... If you ever get to look at an elk real close, and if his G1 and G2, which is where you take your first circumference measurement, if those points are close together, a lot of times what you're going to have is what's called webbing, and that webbing is where the first point hits the main beam, and it and it rolls around into the second point. If they're close enough together, that is going to be almost, um, it's hard to describe. It's going to be it's, it's, it's actually going to make the main beam swell. So you're not actually measuring like you would around the main beam, because they're so close together, you get a swelling or a webbing there. And a lot of times, you know, you can go from having a, you know, a nine inch, uh, a a G1 measurement to having a, you know, 11 inch G1 measurement just because of the
1: webbing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and you can't, and, that, and the reason why I pointed that out is because typically on the other mass measurements, and I've done this, you can see the mass there a lot of times because it's exposed on the curve. You know, you can see it. Um, and I've been surprised on bulls. I got a bull that I found sheds of that's that's 393, you know, with the 40-inch inside spread credit. And and that bull has huge mass in the back. It reminds me of the bull that you guys, that somebody found the pickup head of, in Unit 10, the, the club bull. Has the yep. club? Uh, he, he's yep. a lot like that bull, um, but the one thing he doesn't have, and I, and I believe he's only got 28 inches of mass. And if you look at him, you, he's actually more massive than the bull you, the, than the club bull. If you look at him, you you ought to, you think the bull's going to have over 30 inches of mass, but his his G1 and G2s are separated, and he loses a couple inches there. Um, Whereas I've seen bulls, or my Utah bull, um, his 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 eye guards were super close together, and I want to say his first mass circumference was was ten and a half, and you know I didn't account for that, and that's you know it, we're talking about finer details here that I mean you're you're only going to see if you actually have time and and you're digiscoping and you're really taking you know. You're not going to really look at that if you're air judging something, but if you're really trying to nail down a score, that's something to look at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And mass can throw a lot of things off, but if you use, you know, the 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 twenty, you know, the twenty-six, uh, the you know, twenty-five, twenty-six, the 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 twenty-seven, twenty-eight, and the thirty-inch mass measurement. Um, usually you can get pretty darn close, and we'll get into that when I start talking about my my little formula, the magic number, the estimating the shortest points. Um but yeah, I mean any one of these characteristics, if you have abnormal mass, abnormal point length, abnormal main beam, or abnormal spread, it, it can jump your score up. Mm-hmm. Um y- you wanna try and get an eye for what is you know, average 350 bull? What is an average 320 bull? What is an average 400 bull? And I think that's where my um, chart of, you know, average measurements um, is something that you could even keep on your phone um, when you're out in the field. And, you know, if you're looking at a bull and he's got, you know, 16 inch points, every point is 16 inches, you know, you're probably looking at just in general, you're probably looking at a 360 type of bull. Yeah. Um, if he's got 13 inch points, you know, you're probably looking at a 300 bull. If, if every point on him's, you know, 20 inches, right there, um, just in point length alone, you, you know, you're looking at 200 inches, 100 per side, because you've got, you know, your G1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is 20 inches. That's 100 inches right there on that side. You're probably looking at a 400 inch bull. Yeah. Um, just to go over it again, point length in my mind is number one. You got to have long points. Um, when you're, let, let's talk about third points now. Third points in my mind uh, are ones you you. When you're looking at a bull, I look at the the backs, I look at the main beam, but thirds are something that can always make or break your score because a lot of times you'll have a bull that has great first seconds fourth fists, good beams and the thirds are short you got to watch those thirds if you've got a bull with long thirds he's probably going to be a bull that surprises you Um, score-wise what you want to look for in those thirds is a lot of belly and a lot of curve if they go if you're looking at them head-on you want them to go out and then curve back in and you know I've seen some bulls with, you know, 25 inch, uh, third points. I killed, I killed one, the biggest bull I've ever killed with my bow scored 406 and he had 25 inch third points. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, thirds can a lot of times make or break a bull. If you're just looking at an average, you know, point length bull, if you've got, you know, big thirds—that's going to jump your score up. But you got to watch the thirds because
1: a lot of times you'll have everything but short thirds. I, I I've noticed, and I, I this is just something I was just thinking about, just as we were talking about this with bulls with big thirds is a lot of times when I see bull, and I I think of big uh, big thirds to me are are really big thirds are over twenty. Um, uh, above average thirds are are definitely are are over 15 to me. But when I think of bulls that have big thirds, like we're talking 20 plus, you know, those bulls with just those giant thirds. Um, It seems like to me, and this is just throwing this out there that they usually have pretty solid G ones and G twos for whatever reason. Do you notice that? I
0: I agree. I mean, it, if a bull has long thirds, typically their one, two, threes are all pretty good and, and, and pretty long. It's, it's, I've seen bulls with, you know, pretty good fronts but short thirds, but in general, you make a good point. Um, if, if a bull's got big long thirds, he typically is good all the way one, two, three. Yeah. I, I... And, you know, personally, I like, uh, big, bulls with big backs. I like big fourths and fifth points. That's, that's, that's what I like. Um, but you know, some of the best scoring bulls are some that are just, you know, their one, two, threes are really big and long and, and um, you know, a, a lot of people look at the backs, but they, you know, I've got a bull that's got nine inch fifths, uh, but you know, like he's got 25 inch, uh, thirds and, you know, 22, 23 inch one, twos. Um, you know, and he scores 406, he was droughted, you know, it was a, it was a drought bull that, you know, had, Mm -hmm. had, uh, you know, I want to say 15 inch force and nine inch fifths, um, but he's all fronts. He actually has an extra eye guard too. Um,
1: I've, I've done some stupid things with bulls with big fronts. Um, I have a tendency to, to severely underjudge them. Um, and, and... And I'm talking about when I get a bull that I consider is kind of lopsided, you know, where you're talking with, you know, five to, you know, 10 inch fists, um, and maybe, uh, you know, 16 inch sword tying, but then his, his fronts are, you know, 20, 20 and maybe 20 or 25 on his thirds. And I have a tendency to, and I've learned this and I've really, um, especially when I was younger, I gravitated because I like back ends too, I mean, um, and width, and I I gravitate toward that. And I tend to, um, if if I'm completely real here, I tend to overjudge that and look at that. And I think a lot of people look at what they want to look at or what they like, and then they don't look at the, um, for me, when I'm looking at, I've learned that I have to look, if I see a bull with big fronts, I really have to look him over um, because a lot of times I will look over a bull like that and he may just have, I mean, he could be 25, 25, and 25 and then have 16 and, and 10 and that's a big bull, you know. Um, yeah and
0: and I think Craig you make a great point I think you know when I'm making my first impressions and looking at a bull I'm looking for weaknesses but I'm also on the other hand I'm looking for something that's abnormal and it's like wow he's got huge fronts but he peters out in the back well you you have to kind of add all that in together because it's just as if you know he has big backs and short fronts I mean you take the weaknesses but you also look at oh he's Got some abnormal greatness up front. Um, that can weigh in just as much as having big giant
1: backs. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. And then in Arizona, when you throw in, you and I, we've been talking about a couple of bulls and, and we've shared pictures of the same bull that's got giant fronts and weak backs. And, and we're not going to mention any places where he's at, but you know, those are the type of bulls in my mind on a good year like this year. They can really round out and and gain some significant inches um if if their back catches up you know or even av- just becomes average just becomes a 350 type bull back in if he's got abnormally large fronts uh you know those are the t- you
0: got to yeah you got to watch those bulls with big fronts cuz on a year like this where you've got optimum feed conditions um the backs are usually going to finish up. sometimes genetically they just don't have big backs but you know, that one bull you're talking about in particular, you, you gotta watch a bull like that because on a good year like this, he could finish out his back end and be a, a true giant. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I think everybody has their own different bulls that they like, but to be a good high scoring bull, you gotta have long points. We've talked about that a million times and, but I think it's important to note you have to have long points and a long main beam when i'm using an anatomical reference to judge the main beam okay if from the top of the hump that we've talked about on a bull's shoulder to the to his hoof and clay has really helped me out to to verify my measurements but you know 58 to 60 inches okay Okay. So when a bull's head is is down feeding, I'm going to read this off my notes here. Um, I determine whether the main beam is higher or lower than the hump on his back above his shoulder. The distance from his the top of his shoulder hump down his front leg to the hoof is generally 58 to 60 inches, depending on the maturity of the bull. If the tip of the main beam comes to the top of the hump, then the beam is probably around 50 inches. Now, what you have to remember is that distance of you know twelve to or fifteen to sixteen inches from the tip of the nose to the burr. So picture the bull's headed, you know, head is down. Um, obviously, you you have to add that measurement in because he's not setting his actual burr of his antler on the ground. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. If the tip of the main beam comes to the top of the hump, then the beam is probably around 50 inches. If it's shorter or longer than the hump of the back, I add or subtract accordingly. Now that is just a general rule of thumb. I also use my chart when I've kind of air judged and categorized the bull. I can use my chart here, uh, for main beams. Uh, which you guys can find on on my website. But, you know, for a 340 to 350 bull, he's going to have a 38-inch inside spread, a 50-inch main beam, 29 inches of mass, 15-inch point lengths. Total point length per side, 75 inches, puts him at a uh, 345, 346 type of bull. Okay? Main beams, when we're talking about main beams, uh, that is the second most important characteristics of a bull scoring high. So you've got long points, but main beams is number two. One of the things you need to look at is the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. If your main beam looks really straight, he's gonna be a short main beam. If his beams from his fourth point going back to his fifth, if they dip way down, or if they dip down and then curve back up, if you see a lot of curvature on the main beam, it's going to be longer than you think. I think you can measure a lot of antlers and get kind of a feel for a 50 or 52-inch main beam, and then when you're field judging in the field, you'll be able to say, oh, that's a 55 or, oh, that's a 48. Um, But a straight-looking main beam, just like a straight-looking point, is short. So anytime you see a short or a straight looking fourth, short looking third, or straight looking third, it's going to be a short point. Same with the main beam.
1: Gotcha. I'm, I'm, main beams to me, and this is just me personally, I don't know about you, but to me, they're the hardest measurement to get. Um, as far as, um, just, just, just because, it, and this is me personally, based on my experiences, is I, I use the, you know, the mass you're talking about as far as, you know, 25, 27, 28, 30. Uh, obviously you can miss a little bit there, um, and not, not hurt too much of your score. The, the time link to me, cause I can, you have, you know, basically you have, if it's a six point, you have five on each side to kind of compare. You know what I mean? Uh, the main beam to me, for me personally, is what either, you know, if the bull's got a big body, if he's got a small body, if he's got curve, if he bellows out, to me is where I screw up the most. Um, that's just me personally. Um, is is and, and so I really scrutinize uh, my main beam lengths, and I really want to look at um, like you're saying um, i was just looking at some of your images i was looking at the 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 bull um, the the club bull that's um, was posted june 29th 2012 Phil judging elk and scoring elk antlers 3 uh, the g5 bull yeah the g5 bull sorry um, and uh you know you got a picture of him with his head down and i and i used that real quick and i came up with a uh a 56 inch main beam. Um, you guys have it here in your estimated actual measurement It's 58, which is that's pretty accurate. 56 to 58. Um, we're not talking to me, you know, I, I think when I when I listen to this back and when I look at any field judging stuff is kind of giving a barometer for guys who are scale. Okay, what's accurate? How far off is is still good you know, as far as field judging and I think within the main beams, if you can get within two inches, that's pretty dang accurate. Um
0: Yeah yeah, and I think another important thing is, you know, on these big bulls, if you're basically just using the benchmark of fifty, anything over that is a bonus. Yes, you may end up scoring the bull low, but don't say it's fifty eight if if, if if you know you really think it's fifty three
1: or, or How hard you know is it, saying? Jay, to really I've, I've found one shed antler that's 60. I've seen and held a few bulls that are 60-inch main beams, but those are rare. Um, okay,
0: so let's talk about that.
1: You hear the guy say, well, when
0: he bugled, he tilted his head back, and the tip of his main beam his hit head. his butt. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, no way. Yep. Can't happen. Where it hits is like in their paunch above the front of their of their back leg. Uh, the the no go zone where you do not want to hit an elk—a gut shot. That's where it's gonna scratch. But anybody that tells you that the
1: main beam goes
0: past their butt or scratches their tail, no, doesn't
1: happen. I think the longest bull I've seen on video that looked the longest was Dan Agnew's bull from I don't know San Carlos or White Mountain.
0: Yeah, that, and those were those were long. That was a beautiful. Yeah, six those point. were like. You know, I want to say at like sixty four.
1: Yeah, I got a bull that's sixty three. I got shed horns. a uh, uh, one side out that's sixty three, and it is it is abnormally long. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And you just can't yeah. see those. You know.
0: And I will tell you that I never. I don't care if it's a four hundred and thirty inch bull. The the number sixty on estimating beams never comes out of my mouth ever. Yeah. The
1: the I mean I'm scared I, to go fifty. I go fifty five.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that's a good rule of thumb that you know if it's a super long looking main beam, use fifty five, and if it's a couple inches longer, great. But in all the elk antlers that I've scored, very rarely do they ever get sixty inches, and quite honestly, they very rarely get over fifty six.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I mean, it's so you know using on your high end of fifty five, you know that's that's a pretty good uh, that that will keep you in the ballpark, and if they end up being a little bit longer, so be it. Um. So now that we've, you know, taken the myth of, you know, them scratching their, you know, their butt. Now, keep in mind, I am not saying that an elk cannot do it. They can tilt their head way, way back, not in the bugling position, but way back and, you know, tilt their body around and scratch their butt. They can do absolutely do it. But in the bugling pose, yeah, when you hear, broadside. "Oh, he was he was bugling and he was broadside and he's you know scratching his butt," it ain't it ain't happening. Yeah, no, you
1: hear that a lot. That's that's the that's the giant fish story. <laughs> yeah, um, I,
0: I think for me, one one hard part is is spread. I think you know. You take Michael Parks' 435-inch bull that you know he shot in 2009 with yeah. me. What would you just guess he's, his width is?
1: You know, when you when you when I look at him, I, I would have probably guessed him at 40, but I I want to say he's probably what 37.
0: He's 34 and a half oh. inches wide. So it's super super deceiving, and you know. Uh, The biggest bull I've ever killed is 45 inches wide, and to me, that's super wide. Now, I know there's bulls that are 50 inches wide, but the thing that I can tell people out there is, you know, generally, 350 bulls in Arizona are going to be in that, you know, I'm going to say in that mm, 36 to 40 range. Yeah. Yep. To me... If a bull, I never. Well, I shouldn't say I never. And we're, and we're talking
1: inside the credit. In, inside spread, that's and which where is you the, get the score from, not the outside or right. Inside inside spread
0: is uh, generally or between the fourth point. So, uh, say between the fourth or between the fourth and fifth. That's generally where you get your spread credit, and the. Inside spread credit is the only thing that matters in the Boone and Crockett scoring system. Um, Anatomically, if a bull is looking at you, I'm going to read off my notes. Um, The last measurement to estimate is inside spread, which is the widest point from the inside of one beam to the inside of the other. I often use two anatomical references. First, the distance from ear tip to ear tip, which is generally 21 to 22 inches. And second, the actual ear length itself, which is seven and a half inches. The only way to really estimate the inside spread of a bull elk is for him to be facing you. When he's facing you, you look at the width of his ears. If you can add one ears, ear length to each side, then you have, uh, that should put you at a 37 inch spread. So you've got 22 inches of his ear width, seven and a half on, on each side, uh, is 15. That equals 37 inches. So if, if you can add an ear link and a half, then the inside spread measures 44 and a half inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, keep in mind that very few bulls are wider than 45 inches. Yeah. With that being said... You, we always see the anomaly bull that's you know 51 inches wide or some crazy thing, and, and those are individual cases that you have to
1: take on a that's a you know case, case by case basis. That's that's a freak. That bull that I filmed that my cousin missed, that Godzilla bull, um, that that would have been 480, that ended up being 464 and was killed the next year. That bull, I believe, he was 45 or 47 inches wide. And that's the widest bull. Um, I've, I've seen a couple bulls that are close, but I can count on one hand. Um, and that's since I was, you know, living in Arizona. And I will say really, really hunting hard since I was about uh, 18 or 19. I'm 35 now. I can count on one hand how many bulls that I thought were 45 inches. Um, when I was younger, I would have probably called them 50. Um, just, just out of not knowing. But that bull was... I mean, he was 464 inches and that's how wide he was. Um, I rarely, I, I don't, I, I rarely give a bull over 40 inches inside score credit. Um, and, and generally it's, it's 35 to 37. Um, and, and that's just what I see a lot of. So,
0: yeah. And, and I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. on the same way, um, you know, very rarely do I give a bull over 40. And, you know, keep in mind, you got a bull like Michael Parks that, like I said, 435, and he's got a 34 and a half inch spread, but he's got point length out the wazoo, you know. So, um. Hey, I battle
1: this subject every time my wife gets an elk tag because all she cares about is spread as long as it's got some long beams. And so, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a battle when somebody sees you know, it's like the 30-inch mule deer, you know, remember when when, when everybody, and it is, it's totally up to yourself, but remember when that was the big, that's what big buck contests were based on, was width, you know. Sure. It was width, you know.
0: A- a- and I'm going to say that, you know, everybody has different things that they like. Some people like 6x6, six six, some people like 7x7, seven seven. Yeah. some people like, you know, Abnormal points, you know, so every, everybody's got their own, but when we're specifically I talking about score. trying to be accurate in field judging and score, um, you know, you have to realize that spread is 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 nothing in in, in the arena of percentage. Uh, time length is number one, main beam is two, mass is three, and spread is very last. Um, when I'm doing the estimated actual measurements, I actually try and measure up, and that's going usually off of photos and video. I try and score every point. So I'm going to start on the left side. I'm going to do the G1, G2, G3, G4, G5. I'm going to uh, estimate the uh, main beam length. I'm going to estimate the mass, and then I'm going to add up my score. So I'm basically taking every single measurement and adding it up, trying to get the most accurate gross score that I can. Mm -hmm. There's another method that I use, and that's uh, what I call plugging in the magic number or estimating the shortest points. And that is something that I do a lot of times in just trying to get a quick measurement. And I'm going to read off my notes here. Uh, there's a great shortcut for field judging bulls where I use anatomical reference, but instead of trying to estimate each measurement individually, I use a magic number for the main beam length, the mass, and the inside spread. And then I compare the length of the points from one side to the other, estimating the shortest points. This method is not quite as exact as estimating each measurement but it gets you very close much easier and m- much faster first I start with the magic number of 200 for a mature typical bull elk that scores around 350 inches his main beam is usually around 50 inches per side so that's hundred inches his mass usually equals 30 inches per side which is 60 inches and inside spread is usually around 40 inches, so that's 100 plus 60 plus 40, that equals 200. Now, I will stop here, and, and, and we've already talked that uh, 30 inches of mass is quite a bit, and we've already talked that 40 inches is, you know, a lot of bulls are under that. I'm going to come back to that. Next, I estimate the length of the shortest point for each antler and double it. And then add them up. Be careful with this; these estimates because whenever you double a measurement, it can make your score go up or down dramatically. Meaning, if you say it's thirteen inches and you double it to give it twenty-six, and it's actually four or it's actually fifteen, it can be thirty. You're off right there on just that point alone by four inches. Um, okay, do your best not to overestimate. Your shortest points now add the total length of points to the magic number 200 to get the gross score finally go back to the main beam mass and inside spread is the main beam really 50 or is it 53 add or subtract accordingly is the mass heavy or light how does it compare to 30 inches per side add or subtract accordingly is the bull really 40 inches or is he 36 add or subtract accordingly if you think those measurements deviate from the magic number just add or, add or subtract. So when I'm looking at a 350 360 type of when I've already air judge and categorized this bull the first thing I do is add up his his 5 points and double it. Add it to my uh add it to my magic number and I've got my score. So for instance if I If I look at a bull and he's got 16, 18, 20, 20, and 17, that's 91 doubled is 182. I add the 182 to my 200, and I'm looking at a 382 bull. Now, if I look at that bull and say, but his main beams um, are a little longer than 50, so I'm going to add two more inches per side, so I go two and two, that's four. The bull automatically goes to 386. Uh, I get to the math and go, well, he's not actually 30, so I'm going to subtract. He's only 29 per side. I'll subtract 2 off my score. If the spread is not 40, he says only 36, I subtract 4, and that gets me to my score of 384 gross. Does that make sense to you, Craig? That
1: absolutely makes sense.
0: Um, and I use the magic number scoring system a lot when I'm just quickly trying to say, Okay, what's his what look at the G ones, which one's shortest? Okay, sixteen, okay, look at his G twos, which one's shortest? Okay, seventeen. And then when you add up the shortest points, you're you are going to get uh, pretty darn close to what the bull's score is, and that's the quickest way to to, to accurately add up a bull. Yep. I agree. That's- um I I think it's important to talk about a couple of these charts here where, um, let me look here. I think it's important to talk about a couple of these field judging tips uh, in this episode. Number one, point length is the single most important ingredient for a bull to score high. Next is main beam. It is rare to have a high-scoring bull without long points and beams. We've gone over that. Number two, on a typical 7x7, the point measurement is going to go up dramatically. For instance, a typical 7x7 will usually have six points that measure from 4 to 20 inches, which can add 8 to 40 inches to the bull's total gross score. We've talked about that. Any extra points that you add into your point total make your score go up dramatically, especially if you have a four and a four on each side, that's eight extra inches. If if, if each extra is ten inches, that's twenty extra points. So you could be looking at a bull that looks like a three fifty mainframe bull and he's three seventy because he's got two extra ten inch points. Yep. Um Another thing to note, like Craig says, on a 7x7, seven seven, you don't receive any extra mass measurements. The only mass measurements are between the first, second, second, third, third, fourth, and fourth, fifth. And that, uh, measurement is the smallest circumference measurement in that area. So between the first and second, the smallest area, second, third, the smallest area, a lot of, I've seen guys score and they go to the biggest, you go to the smallest um look look for any weaknesses or broken missing points as they can affect the score dramatically. We didn't talk about broken points, but one of the things when i'm when I'm air judging and my first impressions is I'm looking for weaknesses. I'm looking for broken points because if you have a broken third that's broken at the bait at the at the main beam and the other side is eighteen inches, well you're going to lose eighteen whole inches on that other side, so broken points. Abnormal extra points are huge, but broken points are just as huge on the downside.
1: And we get a lot of them in Arizona. A ton, ton of broken points, especially on the earlier rifle and on the last yeah, week mean, of the archery. Huh?
0: It seems, it seems on the weaker antler growth years, uh, you know, the 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 antler, the because it's bone can be brittle and they break hard. But I've also seen on great antler growth years where you have high intense ruts. Uh, rutting you you get uh, a lot of fighting and those uh antlers inevitably are just going to break so you've got to watch for broken points and that's another good thing when when you call a bull in and you get your you're going through your first impressions if you can train yourself to look for weaknesses is he missing a fifth is he missing a third is he broken somewhere um that will either help you that that will help you determine whether he's a shooter or not a shooter uh Most of the time, broken point bulls are not bulls that you want to shoot. Um, I I will say the biggest bull I ever killed has a 12-inch broken point. And when I first called him in, I actually passed on him because I immediately saw the broken point. So it put me into the mindset of he's broken, he's broken, he's broken. I don't want to shoot him. And it, it made me not look at all the rest of his points. My wife happened to be videoing the bull as he walked by. And I said, let me look at that video again. And then I realized my first impression shut me off because it was a broken point because I didn't want to shoot a broken bull. But then I realized every other point's a giant. You know, he's 7 by 7 with the broken G6. He's still a, sho- a shooter. So, you know, you, you have to you have Did your to wife tell in. you you
1: were nuts? She had to make the call on that bull for you.
0: She, she, uh, she tells me I'm nuts a lot, so. <laughs> um, okay, use anatomical references to judge, um, measurements. Uh, count the number of points on each side because if something looks odd, it usually is. Uh, the main beam length from burr to fourth point is usually around 30 inches, so compare that length to, of the main beam from the fourth point to the tip of the main beam. If it looks about half as long, then the the length is closer to 45 inches. If it looks equally as long, then it might be pushing 60 inches. Uh, Number seven, main beams are rarely 60 inches or more. Inside spread are rarely over 45, and mass is rarely over 32. Number eight, try to err on the short side when estimating measurements. Um, It's real easy to, to... to think they're longer than they are. And when you start, you know, given an 18-inch G1 and it's really 15, and you extrapolate that number, you know, 2, 3, 4, 5 up up the side and you're off on the first one, you can get way off quick. Um, Look for good spacing between the points. I think this one is huge. When you're looking at the main beam, a bull if if, it, if his points are all real compact and tight together on the actual spacing of the main beam, that's a good indication that your beam is going to be short. I think it's important to look for those bulls that have a good distance between their second and their third, their third and their fourth, and their fourth and their fifth. because and And, and especially those bulls that have a good distance between third and fourth, and fourth and fifth. If you can get good distance on those two measurements, you're typically going to have a lot longer main beam. If points look close together, the beams are probably not as long as you think. That's the end of number nine and number ten. If a beam or point looks straight, then it will be shorter than you think. Look for lots of belly or curve in the points and the main beam. Curve means greater length. I think we talked about that, but You know, going back, anytime a bull's looking at you and it goes, you know, say it's thirds, seconds or thirds, they go out and then they go up. Um, you're, you're going to be looking at a long point. I
1: think, I think curves too, as well as on the main beams when those bulls, I think bulls have longer main beams than what you think on bulls that flare out excessively in the back where they, it's a, it's a curve. But it's not a curve against your 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 kind of the parallel lines of how you see the beam structure. But if you look at a bull from the front and he's got a lot of flare out in the back, um, you guys have a picture of a bull. And I'm just scrolling through the website here. I think Dar videoed this bull in water. Well, um, or oh, oh, yeah. uh, Tim Allen's bull. Um, that bull well he kind of curves in. Um, and you don't it, you don't necessarily see um, especially on his left side it's a straight beam but the beam kind of curl bellies in, you know, versus just staying straight. Um, so I think that's another thing to look at with beams is 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 what is their it is, is their horn structure when you look at them head on, do they just go straight back or do they do they curl in or do they curl out? Versus just from the side angle, looking at the curvature, is how it curves there as well. So that's yeah, I mean, time. I think
0: that's a great point. If 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 any abnormality, if it curves out, if it curves in, if it curves down, if it curves up, you're going to add distance. You're going to add length. If it just is a real pretty looking beam that just goes back, it's probably not as long as you think, but. In points or in the main beam, anything that's abnormal, that's bending out, bending down, bending up, a lot of times you're going to get longer. Now, I will say, when after the fifth points, when a beam tips up, I've found those tipped up beams to be shorter than bulls that tip way down. So, sometimes you've got to watch that bend up because it can be deceiving to me Bending up in the back to me sometimes is shorter than bending either normal or or down. Down is best, and out down and out is 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 best. You get a lot of flare, and that's where you get inches. So, um, Craig, do you think there's anything there that we did not cover? Um, I mean, we could go on and on. I think extra points, non-typical bulls. Um, you know, extra thirds, extra force, you know, split brow tines, uh, those are all things to be looking for to add inches to your score. I th-
1: I, th- I guess you know I think we pretty much covered it. I think the thing is that I always catch myself, and and for you guys that are listening, is is what what system are you going to use, and when are you going to be able to use it? Um, just just speaking out loud for myself, it's. If you want to be as accurately, field judge as accurate as possible, the best way is to be able to video and digiscope a bull, see him in the field and out of the field. Um, Trail cameras are pictures are awesome, but I think there's something to seeing the bull alive as well. It kind of completes a 360, uh, if you will, uh, perspective of that entire animal. Um, A lot of situations that you're going to be in as far as hunting type situations, especially if you're archery hunting and and you haven't located the bull that you want to hunt um you know hand-to-hand type for lack of better terms combat so to speak you're going to have to air judge a bull um uh and make a split-second decision um and that's going to take some experience and and you know there's always those bulls that just absolutely floor you but you know count the number of points real quick look at width look at main beam length really really look at like you're saying jay stressing really look at time length don't just get caught up on the width and uh you really have to look at time length um right away so yeah
0: and and with Time Link being the number one most important thing in, in, in a high scoring bull, it, it's, it's everything. And so, you're missing points, that's a huge deduct. You gotta really watch that. Um, I will say, the biggest bulls I've ever seen, most of the time, they're pretty impressive and, and wowing. Uh, you know, uh, handfuls of bulls that I've, you know, shot over 400 or seen or guided over 400, most of the time from the initial impression and look, they look, they look giant. They look huge. There's everything about them is big. Um, so, you know, just the air judge and and, and first impressions is huge, but it's kind of like a big brown trout. I mean, they, they, the big ones look big, you know, the elk, elk, the big elk look big if he, if if you look at him, go well. He's probably not a giant. Yeah. You probably need to keep looking, depending on what tag you have or what have you. But speaking, you know, Arizona, where the biggest of big, um, if you're going after a giant, uh, they've got to look huge. Every there can't be any angle. I've never seen a 400 bull that's got an angle that you're like. Eh, I don't think he's that big. They all look big at every angle. Every four hundred inch bull looks giant.
1: Yeah, no, and that's another thing too, is when you're looking when you're judging off pictures, if you got a camera picture or if you got a digital picture, um, I, don't get focused on just the the pictures where you look big or your marketing pictures or the pictures you're gonna share with all your buddies and say, I found a big one. You need to really analyze every angle rear, front, well- side and quarter. I
0: think that's a great point. I think you know we get caught up in you know getting the best angle and going sending that to your buddies. Send the worst angle to your buddies first. Yes. Then send the best angles. Now I will talk a little bit about photos and video. Dar and I feel uh, you know feel very strongly that video is way better than photos. Photos can be very deceiving. Video catches all angles, catches movement, brings in anatomical features brings in body size video is king cuz you see all the different flares and angles and um, you know pictures can be super deceiving so um, learn to to judge off of photos and learn to judge off of video and know that there's a difference
1: yeah big time i would agree with that 100% that you know uh, you can you can pull frames off of a off of any animal and make him Look bigger than what he is, but if you get that 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 perspective, you know that video, um, those, those weak spots will show up. You know. Yeah,
0: that um, Craig, I I want to thank you for being on and going through this and the other episode on field judging elk. Uh, we're going to be doing some field judging sheep and. Coos deer and mule deer and, and, uh, I've actually already recorded a field judging antelope, uh, episode with you and your partner Lee Murphy with Exclusive Pursuits Outfitters. And I want to let the listeners know if they have any questions at all, feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And if you want to send me photos, uh, I, uh all summer long i get people emailing me trail camera photos asking me what they think bulls score i'm happy to give you my my estimate um, so feel free to do that uh want to encourage you guys to uh try and up your game and try and to learn as much as you can about field judging whatever animal you're hunting um, and to try and push yourself and stretch yourself to become a to me Field judging is becoming a better hunter. I believe that field judging is a skill. Just as much as you should go work out and, you know, do sit-ups and push-ups, you should be working on your field judging. You can do a lot of field judging by, by, you know, I have files and files and files on my computer where I save photos of bulls and, you know, put official scores and, you know, if it's not an official score, put the, you know, the, the score that the person's saying and I, I process all of that and, and try and uh, get where I can categorize bulls better. And I hope that uh, uh, some of the things we talked about in this in these episodes on field judging elk help you. And um, uh, Craig, do you have anything to add?
1: No, man. I, I just would stress stress about the digiscoping stuff that everybody. I mean. My dad's even got a smartphone, so I don't want an excuse of why you, you know, those, those cameras and the smartphones have, have the memory, have the capability. Get yourself, you know, the. Jay, I mean, with that outdoors with adapter. adapter, get yourself an adapter, and and you know, even if it's a minute or two, take the time. It it and it it all. And another thing too, just off. Feel judging with that is you're you're able to keep track of that bull as well and go back and say, Yeah, that is him. He does have a kicker off of his here because your memory will will deceive you. But but when you can reflect back on video and images and, and reassure yourself that he's as big as what you thought he was, it makes it a lot easier to go back in there time and time again and hunt him. So
0: yeah, and you, and you also made a good point earlier about, you know, keeping track of bulls and if some, another hunter kills them, hey, contact the hunter. Say, hey, you know, a couple months after the season, can I come by and, you know, look at the rack in your garage? I, I, I had the fortune of, you know, spending some time with this bull and I, I you know, I, I have the measurements that I've estimated. I'm just curious what each point, and go score that bull and, and put your hands on it. And and, give him a little you know, video, too. You know, a lot of yeah. times,
1: that, you know, I know Jay and I get contacted a lot, you know. A lot of times, guys, just, they, they, I mean, give him a little video. Let's build some camaraderie out of this. It's not, you know, this Jay and I, it, it's not all about being selfish and what you kill. You learn that through guiding that, you know, just be be a sportsman about it. So,
0: yeah. Well, buddy, I appreciate, um, you being on and I appreciate, uh, the great content that you provide on org And, and, um, you know, we're, um, couple months away now from go time, elk season and, uh, you know, 60 days away. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be an exciting year in Arizona and I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, wish you the best and appreciate all the help uh, you give here on the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. And, uh, Uh, Until the next time I talk to you, buddy, God bless you, okay? You too, bud. It was fun.